Um, My name is Ryan. I'm the youth and college pastor. And on Wednesday nights, we preach through a different series or a different subject. And for us, we're going through the book of James. Okay? So tell me, what book are we going through? We're going through the book of James. James is in the New Testament. If you want to, if you have a phone or if you have a Bible, I encourage you, go ahead and turn there now. Turn to the book of James. Uh, We'll also, if you don't have it, it'll also be up here on the screen too as we go through stuff, okay? I think. We'll we'll, we'll see. Lord willing and Lauren willing, it should be up there. We should be good to go. But we started going through the book of James in the summertime, and it's taken us into the fall now. And so we're going to go through the book of James, and that will bring us into pretty much October, okay? We're going to do half a chapter a week, and this week we're going to finish... um, We're going to finish chapter 3 of James, okay? So we're in the book of James, chapter 3. So go ahead and turn there, and we're going to read just a little bit, and then we'll talk for a little bit, all right? So we're engaged, and we're listening. We're in James, chapter 3, okay? Um, Let me explain this, too. In my Bible, right above chapter 3 in James, for me, it says, "...the tongue is a fire." Um, It's talking about using our words. This is what James is trying to teach us about. How we talk to each other. How we use our words. Okay, what happens when Christians talk to one another. Okay, and we did a couple verses last week, but we didn't get very far, which is totally my fault. This time we're going to get a good bit further. Okay, and we're going to get through most of chapter 3, and then next week we'll be in chapter 4. So let's go. James chapter 3. We're going to read verses 3 to 5, and they might be up on the board here as well. So here we go. James chapter 3, verses 3 to 5. Now, if we put bits into the horse's mouths so that they will obey us, we direct their entire body as well. Look at the ships and boats also. Though they are so great and driven by such a strong wind, they are still directed by a very small rudder, wherever the inclination of the pilot desires. So also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it does great things. See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. So remember, we're talking about words. James is talking about our words and how we talk to each other. And this sets these verses that you just read, 3 through 5, you may want to highlight or underline them or take notes in your, in your phone because this is what sets the tone for the rest of the chapter. This is what sets the tone for the rest of our night in talking about words when trying to tell us more about words, when trying to teach us about words. James walks us through small things that make a big impact. When trying to show us about words, James shows us small things that make a big impact. Look back at verse 3. Look back at verse 3 in your Bibles. Now, if we put the bits into horses' mouths, they will obey us. We direct their entire body as well. A a bit, which we'll actually show you. Lauren, I think I have a picture um, pretty intense graphic image here. This is a picture of a horse, okay? And this is, so you see kind of the ring on the outside of its mouth right there? That's the bit. The bit actually connects in its mouth and does this. So you pull this way, it goes this way. You pull this way, it goes this way, okay? I know I may have lost you with my professional horse language, but that's how it works, right? Thank you, Lauren. It goes whichever way you pull it, right? That's a bit. Now, this is, now what did James say? Look at what James says. When you put the bit, this small item, into the horse's mouth, it controls 
the entire horse. Now, this is something important to understand. Horses are huge, okay? I know some of you guys know that better than others, but, but for city folk like me, right, horses are these giant creatures. I was watching this, uh, this documentary um, about these two guys who were playing uh, in the NFL for the Oakland Raiders. These are defensive backs. These are big boys. One of them graduated from Clemson, so he's you know coming up. He's a big. These are some big dudes, and they go to this ranch for reasons that I don't you know. Whatever. They go out to this ranch to like bond or whatever, and they go ride horses together. It's very sweet. Um, but they're but these big dudes. I mean, these dudes who could beat up the fellowship hall, like the building, like they could beat it up. These huge men are terrified, like they're like, I'm not getting no way. They're terrified of these giant horses. And because horses are big dogs, they're all muscle. Um, you may know, some of you may know what a Clydesdale is. This is a type of horse. These jokers can grow up to six feet tall, and that's just the body. That's not the neck and the head. That's just to the top of the body. So these things are massive. But listen, listen, look, what did James say, though? These huge, powerful animals can be controlled by a small thing. And not just a small thing, but a small thing that you put into its what? That you put into its mouth. And remember, James is talking to us about words. This small thing that goes into the mouth can control the whole body. And James is talking to us about words. Look at verse 4 now. Look at verse 4. Um, look at the ships and boats also. Although they are so great and are driven by strong winds... They are still directed by a small rudder, wherever the pilot wants to go. Um, these are not little pontoon boats that James has in mind, little fishing boats. Lauren, go ahead with the picture. These are these giant, now, they probably weren't built this big back then. This is like a medieval boat, but it's to get the point across. These are these giant, this was an age, now think about it. There was no satellite, there was no way of long distance communication. This is, this is a time and a place where people would set sail out to sea and they would just never come back because things would happen to them and they couldn't communicate what was going on. This was exploration in the unknown waters of the, of the Pacific and the Atlantic and the Indian Ocean. It literally, and, and I don't mean it as a joke, it's okay if it's funny, but I don't mean it, it was literally like, like going to space because it was going out into the unknown where they didn't know and you, couldn't, and you didn't know if they were coming back or not. So these ships had to be massive and powerful and had to be built with the strongest material to get through the intense weather and storms. But these great big ships, they could do big time damage to other people and places, or they could bring these people and places loads and loads of supplies and goods. They could do terrible things or great things. And these giant ships are controlled by what's called a rudder which is a small piece at the back of the ship below the water. That determines what direction the ship goes in. That's what the rudder does. It determines this little piece, determines what this giant ship does that you can't even see. Now look at verse 5. Look at verse 5. James brings it all together in verse 5. And when I find it, we'll read it. So think about it. Small things making a big impact. Here comes James. So also the tongue, or your mouth, is a small part of the body, and yet it does great things. See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. 
James's point in bringing out how these giant, powerful horses are controlled by bits in their mouths, how these giant ships are controlled by small rudders, and then he brings in the mouth. He's showing us that just because something is small, that doesn't mean that it can't do big things. Just because something is small, that doesn't mean it can't do big things. Awesome big things or terrible big things. Just because something is small, it can do awesome, big, or awesome, terrible, awesome, good, or awesome, terrible things. One more time, look at the second half of verse 5. The second half of verse 5. See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. See how such a forest is set aflame, this big flame caused by the small fire. Small things doing terrible damage. Small things with great big power. Uh, You guys may have heard about this. As of November 19th of last year, a wildfire known as the Camp Fire in California killed 77 people, destroyed 11,000 homes in 11 days. 77 people, 11,000 homes in 11 days. And that was just the article that I saw. At that point in time, the number was expected to go up. It spread so fast. Now listen, and think about words. Think about when you talk to people and what you say. It spread so fast that it wiped out an area of 10 football fields every minute. 10 football fields every minute for 11 days. Do you know how it started? It started when a high-voltage wire sparked. That was it. When a wire sparked early in the morning on November 8th, the wind was picking up, which, which already wildlife people don't like because that's how it spreads, and the area that it spread in hadn't had rain since May. It was November. So school had started back. We're almost to Thanksgiving break, and the last time it rained, school had just ended. Think about that. 77 people, 11,000 homes in 11 days, one spark from a wire. Listen, how we talk to people may not seem like a big deal at the time. Things we say, things we text, things we post about may not seem like a big deal. A spark, who cares? It may not seem like a big deal at a time. But one angry text, one moment in person where you just let go, The damage that can be done to your friend group, the damage that can be done to your church, what a great fire can be set by such a small spark. Do you see what James is talking about here? Look at verse 6. Look at verse 6. And I've got all these notes because I just completely nerd out. There was a kid that was looking at the notes on my Bible one time. He's like, it looks like a battle map. And I was like, it doesn't, it's not, it's not a battle map. Hey, Bonnie, you are batting a thousand tonight, my lady. You are batting a thousand. Here we go. See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. Verse 6. And the tongue is a fire, the very world of wickedness. The tongue is set among our members, and that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life. Indeed, it is set on fire by hell. Here's what we're talking about, and I just want to focus on the beginning part of that. He says the tongue is a world of wickedness. What is he talking about? How can your tongue be a world of wickedness? The tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. It means wickedness. Here's what Barnes notes on the Bible says. 
Think about it. Your tongue is a world of wickedness. Your mouth, the words you use. What evil in the world did not first start out as words? Any evil you can think of in the world, any evil action first started out with words. Murder. I'm not going to go through 50 examples, and please don't try to like preacher gotcha, like, oh, actually, just we'll talk about it after. But think about this. Murder. Think of the hateful things that we say to each other and about each other. If, those seed, if that seed is given room to grow, what can it become? Or, or, or countries attacking each other. It starts in meeting rooms. Speaking evil things about others or, or downplaying things. Using words in those meetings like economic gain or necessary fallout. You use these words to cover up the idea, to cover up the fact in your mind that, that people are dying. Or, or you, didn't, you didn't commit a sin, you made a mistake. I, 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 don't, I don't sin, I just make mistakes. That's like saying... I'm not a thief, I just steal things. Well, that, it is what it is, bro. I didn't sin, I just made a mistake. It's not, it's not killing, it's an abortion. It's not a baby, it's my body. It's my choice. You can't control me. See, you can change any message, if you, cha- you can change any concept if you just change the words. All evil that exists in this world started out, now listen, listen, all evil that exists in this world started out by a group talking amongst each other, or one person talking with themselves. Think about it. How did Satan tempt Adam and Eve? You don't have to turn there, but you may want to write it down in the the margin. Listen, Genesis chapter 3 verse 2. And think about the power of words. Genesis 3, 2. And the serpent said to Eve, did God really say? He's using his words to confuse us about God's words. It's all about the power of words. It's all about how we talk to each other that matters. The tongue is the root of all evil. It has destroyed churches. It has destroyed families. It has destroyed friendships. And look, I know like it's the first Sunday back and I'm like, the tongue is evil and wicked. And it's like, you know, I'm reading this in my quiet time and I'm like, man, this is heavy. Like James is just letting it go here. There's, you know, like sometimes in the Bible, what Paul will do is he'll, he'll lay out the bad news and then he'll bring it back and he'll say, but here's what Christ has done. James doesn't do that here. And I think that's part of his point. It just stays heavy. The tongue is this. The tongue is evil. Look at how it starts fires. Look at how it does this. And that's James's point. He, you know like the time when your parents maybe or whoever you live with, they, they take you into your room. And this is what James is doing. He's taking you into your room. He's sitting you down. And he's saying, look, words are powerful. This is important. I'm keeping this heavy so that you will realize the weight of words. That's what you have to take away from tonight. That's what James is trying to show us, the weight of words. I have a friend, and a lot of you guys know him. His name is Michael Peters. Uh, He's played drums up here before. He's played drums in the hall and in the sanctuary. Um, Michael is a couple years younger than me. He helps out with passion, too, when we go. Um, Michael went from high school into the military, uh, and then from the military, he was a police officer for a while. So Michael knows that world, right? 
And he and I were just chatting a few weeks ago, and he mentioned how he's trying to teach his brother, Will, who's, who's in his 20s, how to shoot, right? How to shoot a gun. And I, and I kind of jokingly was like, teaching him? You, you guys have grown, I mean, you were in the, whatever, you guys have grown up around guns. Like, what do you mean teaching how to shoot? And he very, like, very casually, very seriously kind of, he told me, not casually, sorry, he very seriously told me, if you're going to own a gun, you need to understand and respect this weapon. If you're going to own one, you cannot treat it casually. This is what James is doing. Listen to me. This is how James is treating our words. He's sitting you down and telling you, if you're going to own one of these, you cannot treat it casually. If you're going to interact with others, you cannot treat that casually. Look at verses 7 and 8. Look at verses 7 and 8. James continues in here. Um, For every species of beast and bird and reptile and creature is tamed and has been tamed by the human race. But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. Here's what he's saying. He lists all these creatures that mankind has tamed. He's saying mankind can tame any creature with enough resources and time. We can do it. And I know there are creatures that we haven't tamed, but James's point is, think about thousands of years ago, and he's saying, look around. Look at all these animals. Remember, it was a big time farming culture. You had to, you had to train and subdue these animals to help you with manual labor. All around, and think about it today. All around, mankind rules nature. Yet with all our training, with all our innovation, we still cannot control what we say. With all our technology, if anything, who, I don't think anyone in here would raise their hand and be like, man, I'm so thankful for Twitter. It's awesome. Like, I'm so thankful for people who talk about politics on Facebook. It's awesome. No, it's horrible. It's not awesome. Like, if with all of our technology, with all of our training, we put people on the moon, guys, and we can't control what we say. We can't do it. We've plummeted, we've, we've, We've plumbed the depths of the ocean, and we can't control what comes out of our mouths. Look at verse 8 again. Look at verse 8 again. But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. Listen, now look at me. James is not saying you can't control what you say, so just forget about it. Just let it go. You can't control what you say, so just forget about it. I mean, you can't control it. That's not what it means. But here is what he, he does say. No one can control the tongue. Here's what he means. And Matt Chandler points this out when he goes through James. I definitely recommend you look that up on YouTube. Matt Chandler. He's fantastic. Listen to what he says. Um, no matter how old you get, no matter how mature you become, no matter how old you grow, you your words can still be evil. No matter how mature you get, no matter how old you get, no matter how long you walk with the Lord, your words can still be evil. And here, here's the example that he uses, and I think it's so good. As you, as you get older, you won't be able to act out certain sins anymore. Uh, you may be, just an example, you may be physically strong, and you, you, and, and you use that to intimidate people and bully people and get your way. You may take something that isn't yours because you're stronger. See, you, your body allows you to give in to that temptation. You see what I'm saying? Listen, you won't always be stronger. 
you get older, you get weaker. But even as you get older in some of these physical ways to carry out sin, as they fade out, your words can still get more angry and bitter and mean. Here's what he means. You will never be able to ultimately and fully control the tongue. It will always require your attention, your work, your self-control in the way that other sins won't always require. Look at verse 9. We're almost there. Verse 9. With the tongue we bless our Lord and Father. That's worshiping God. With the tongue we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. So we use our mouths to sing to God and to pray, but then we use the same mouth, the same thing, to talk bad about other people or be mean to them. Remember, and you may not have been with us over the summertime, one of the big themes in the book of James, he brings it up in chapter 1, one of the big themes in the book of James is religion that doesn't change you. Religion that you just talk about but it doesn't change you is worthless. Religion that you just do but it doesn't change you is worthless. And this is an example of that. Praising God but then our mouths really aren't changed. Look at verse 10. Look at verse 10. From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be this way. These things ought not to be. This is James's way of saying, this is KJV, this is James's way of saying, this is ridiculous. The, the mouth, the same mouth that blesses God being used to talk bad and curse other people is the same, is just as ridiculous as a tree having, the same tree having two different kinds of fruit. Or a fountain that brings out salt water and fresh water at the same time. It's impossible. Last one, and, and this, this, he shows it. Look at verse 12. Look at verse 12. Can a fig tree, my brothers, produce olives? Or a vine produce figs? Nor can salt water produce fresh. A fig tree, let me blow your mind with science here. A fig tree produces figs. Oh, right? Salt water does not be, listen, salt water does not become fresh on its own. It is, now listen, it is whatever its nature is. Whatever its nature is, that's what it's going to be. And when you become a Christian, your nature changes. Listen, becoming a Christian is not, is not just Walking an aisle or signing a card or getting in your feelings at camp. It's not what becoming a Christian. There, it, you change. There's a difference in who you are. Kristen and I have been married for a year and a half, right? Said it couldn't be done, but we pulled it off, right? A year and a half. And I told her, I wrote her a letter as part of our, our one-year anniversary, and I told her, like, a year and a half is a pretty long amount of time to be doing a lot of things. Not to be married, though. Um, I feel like I'm just, like, dipping my toes into the water after a year and a half of being married to her. Still, like, completely lost in some areas. Still so much about her that I'm trying to figure out. And here's what I'm trying to get at. Now listen, and then I'll, I'll explain. I got married at 28 years old, Okay. So for my whole life, 
I have spent 28 years doing everything with just me in view. Does that make sense? 28 years just doing what I want in my own view. And now that I'm married, there's a whole other person here when I do everything. That takes a lot of getting used to. It's not just you in the living room wanting to pick what to watch on TV anymore. It's not just you deciding what time to go to bed and get up. It's not just you spending money anymore. It's not just your family that you have to visit on the holidays anymore. And I'm, and I'm talking with, with Bob about some of this. Bob's like, he's a pastor here as well. He's one of my mentors. And I'm talking to him about just marriage and how it's so different and it takes so much to get used to. And Bob said something I thought was really smart. Listen to what he says. He says, it takes a lifetime of marriage for me to become we. Does that make sense? It takes a lifetime of marriage for me to become we. You change. It's not me anymore. It's we. You change. And as a Christian, listen, as a Christian, it's not just you anymore. Jesus is in your heart too. And it takes time, instead of me to become we, it takes time for me to become Jesus. For us to live the way Jesus did, that takes time. That takes work. Here's what James's point is here. As Christians, if you would call your... How do you know you're a Christian? Well, here's one way. As Christians, we must respect the power of words. That's why James tells you in chapter 1 to be slow to speak. Imagine having something so powerful with you all the time that could do something that could do amazing things but could also do terrible things. You have to treat that thing with respect. You have to be careful with it. Does that make sense? Because he wrote this, listen, in James's mind, now listen, in James's mind, Christians are clearly marked as people who are slow to speak who work to control their tongue, who don't just pop off on social media. This is one of the ways we know that we're walking with Jesus, that we're controlling our mouths. Our words reflect our hearts. Our words are who we are. Listen, your words are who you are. That's what it is. And as Christians, you have to work to push and grow to bear fruit in this new nature. You're not salt water anymore. You're fresh water now. Work, listen, work to produce that kind of water. It takes work. It's not just, it's happened, now get out there and be somebody. You have to work at this. You have to work. You're going to blow it. You're going to totally blow it sometimes. Or you're going to post something and you're going to be like, man, I should not have said that. And now it's out there, but you've got to delete it or whatever. But like... Or, or you say something and then you got to go back and apologize. Or, or you're going to mess this up. But, the, but the, the direction of someone's life is what defines them as a Christian. Are you working to fix that? Are you working on what you say? Do you have to get the last word in every time? Do you have to get the last word in every time something, someone comes at you with something? Or can you leave that conversation? Can you stay controlled? Can you speak truth in love? These are things to begin to work on. Work your new nature into yourself. 
Let me become Jesus. That takes a lifetime of work and practice, but it starts with words. Let me pray.